welcome back to Brace. In this episode, you will hear Tommy and I discuss the Don't Say Gay Bill out of Florida, Disney's response, and the institution of education in America today. We hope you enjoy. Greetings and welcome to Brace. I am Tommy and I am joined by Paul and today we're going to discuss the Parental Rights in Education Bill in Florida. So Paul, I wanted to first start by asking where did you initially hear about this bill and what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question. The first time that I heard about this bill would have been in the news probably close to three weeks ago or so. It came up, there was some deliberation in the Florida Senate or whatever, it passed, and then it was a little bit of a, an interim before the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, actually signed it. So in that time, after it had passed the Florida House or, or whichever chamber, I heard the first musings about it and people calling it the don't say gay bill. So I wanted to investigate more. And my, my first thought was, what, what's the point of this bill, right? Because personally, I don't remember, you know, in, in grade school or anything like that, uh, the word gay coming up very much or, or anything like that. So I, I kind of just wanted to understand it. So when I went and got down to the source material, I saw what it actually is, which is, you know, limiting talk about sex and gender identity until at least fourth grade. And then ensuring that parents have kind of consent in uh, what their kids are being educated on when it comes to sex and gender identity. So, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I thought initially that it definitely was something that should be happening now with how prevalent the kind of cultural decay has gotten in a lot of ways. I didn't know that it would be necessarily that effective because I, I don't see how you can enforce something if, if a teacher um, decides to talk about a topic, you know, especially to a, a kindergartner or a first grader. It's going to be really hard for that kindergarten or first grader to effectively communicate to their parents what they were taught in order to, for the parents to actually do anything. But I, I thought the, the theory behind it was pretty sound. Uh, what about you? So I think I initially saw it somewhere on Instagram and someone posting, oh, like, look at how horrible this bill is. And, you know, initially I was like, okay, don't say gay. Because that, that's how it, it came up to me. It was not the parental rights and education bill when I first saw it. It was the don't say gay bill. And it was essentially just someone posting, you know, this is a horrible thing. I can't believe they're trying to limit people's ability to uh, include and make sure that people know about gay or lesbian or and uh so i didn't really know what it was about and looking more into it similar to what you were saying i don't think it's pretty much at all don't say gay it, it, it's not even saying that it's just saying that you know instruction about sexual encounters should not occur before students are in fourth grade which you know i 
from my past experience, I think it was sixth grade when we had sex ed. And before that, it wasn't, you know, the government's job to, to teach me about sex. Uh, before that, I mean, I think, and maybe you have similar experiences, but we on playgrounds and friends and, you know, little kids talk and learn and figure things out. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's right to have adults teaching young minds about sex at that early of an age. And so to me, kind of looking more into it, I just thought, yeah, that seems, seems reasonable. Seems like that shouldn't, shouldn't be something that has to go into law, but clearly it, it is because there's a lot of pushback. Yeah. That's essentially where I heard about it. Okay. You, you hit on two things there that I, I think are, are pretty funny and relevant. One, the, the kids talk, uh, part of, of, of that statement is, is funny. Cause I actually remember, you know, whatever year it was, yeah. Fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. The, the note went home, right. That the sex ed course was basically going to be happening in school. And then it was kind of a rush for at least in my grade and in some of my friends, like the dads all kind of had the talks with, with, the, with the sons. So then, you know, it was kind of a joke going around, like, do, do you have the, the talk yet you know did your dad pull you aside uh so i i do remember that too yes absolutely kids talk uh but one other thing you mentioned there that is very important is the i don't think it's the government's job that i think is very key for me when you're a parent and you don't have the financial means right now to take your kid out of a government school and homeschool or send to a private school that you know aligns with your values or send to a charter school, whatever it might be, you're handing away your kid for half of their waking life every day to be raised by the government. Yeah. And when you're doing that, you are not having the opportunity to ensure that the values that you're teaching them at home are being reinforced at school. And in fact, I'd say for a plurality, if not a majority of Americans right now, that isn't happening. Their, their values are not uh, being taught or reinforced in school. So what it seemed like was this was an opportunity for the, the Florida schools to re-examine those motives of, of what are we actually here to do? Are we here to teach what we believe? Or are we here to serve the community and uh, teach, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic and, and the basics needed to grow up and learn and then think on your own? Is it is it a place for education or a place for indoctrination? You bring up a good point in, in the reading, writing, and arithmetic. Um, I, I, I'm just looking at a tweet from Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, and it's when I first heard about Florida's parental rights bill, I was shocked. It only protects children K through three, third grade. How about 12th grade or not at all. Meanwhile, schools are failing. One in four graduates are functionally illiterate. Parents should raise their kids, not the government. So just, uh, I think it's interesting, right? I mean, we're not doing, the schools are not doing their job at preparing students for life after school. They're not, they're not giving them the reading, writing, and arithmetic that is important and instead are putting into children's heads all this other stuff that, you know, it's, it, <laughs> I think it's funny that a lot of the left says, you know, trust the science. And I'm pretty sure the science says there are two genders, but I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's, 
you only trust the science when it's you know supports your side and even then when they said trust the science uh i still don't think they really understood what that meant well i mean your point there about one in four students graduating right that was graduating high school are functionally illiterate what is the point of having a high school degree if it doesn't at least prove that you're literate like that is insane and and to be at 25 percent or greater and i know i forget the exact statistic but if you look up say literacy in baltimore high schools those rates are insane it's something like 70 percent of you know high school freshmen can't read and Wow. It's a travesty. There, there's no reason that that should be happening if any amount of taxpayer money is going to these schools and if they're getting any sort of federal subsidies. There need to be standards that actually are met. Otherwise, you know, the, the schools get shut down and there, there needs to be another solution. And I think education is one of the biggest kind of core problems with America right now. So it's, it's interesting that this hot topic is, is shining a light on that. For sure. Yeah. And, and when you said the, the trust, the science portion of that when it comes to genders and and sex and stuff like that again it goes to what is the point of this institution like if if a christian teacher uh pulls out the bible and starts to you know give messages out of the bible which by the way is a document that undergirds the founding of our country like we are a theistic nation by our founding documents so you can say oh, keep your God out of my schools. But it's like, yeah, uh, it is our God. It is the the country's God. Whether we al- allow freedom of religion, there is the, the right to believe what you want to believe. Uh, but as one of our founders said, it, you know, our, our laws are made for a moral and religious people and are wholly inadequate for all else. So if, if and right now for, however many years, I'd say 60 years, I I think since the 1960s, they took all prayer out of school and have, you know, banned any crosses or religious symbolism or religious stories, even, even though, again, they are a foundational story for Western civilization. All that is to say, if, if a Christian teacher isn't allowed to do that, why is a teacher that, you know, may identify as LGBTQ or, or anything like that allowed to bring in their personal beliefs and push it down on your children. That doesn't seem right to me. Well, I think it's, it's almost very synonymous because I think this ideology that is coursing its way through our country is a religion in, you know, I think humans, uh, and I don't know if it was in beyond order, Jordan Peterson, but, we want to believe in something more. And if there is no God, if God is dead, right? I think rates of people believing in in God have reduced. What comes next, right? And so I think this woke ideology has become somewhat of a religion. You you must follow what they say, uh, regardless of facts or evidence or science. And if you say something heretical, in a sense, you're cast out or canceled. I, I think it's I think you're right that because to me, I think that religion probably shouldn't be pushed down people's throats at school. Right. I, I can see how your perspective might be a little bit different, but I think in general, right, like ideology, pushing an ideology should not be done in school. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. That ideology shouldn't be taught at school. I think what I might advocate for in some way, and I, you know, I haven't really thought this through all the way, but something like having a basis for moral understanding, not teaching a certain morality, a school of thought, but understanding what morality is, I think is missing in, in school right now. And that could be brought back in an effective way that doesn't necessarily alienate anybody, but gives the the kids the tools they need to go and live a moral life. Uh, but a, another thing that you definitely bring up that is 100% accurate and relevant is the the moral religion. It's, you know, it's, it's secularism. Uh, a lot of the times it manifests as environmentalism with, you know, the AOC wing of the left saying, you know, I think it was four years ago now that it was 12 years until we're all dead. So clock's ticking. But, uh, and it's interesting because when you adopt that religion, it, it doesn't matter what you do in your life that contradicts it. As long as you espouse the beliefs, it's fine. Leonardo DiCaprio can have his mega yacht and he can fly around on his private jet all over the world. As long as he's saying, hey guys, make sure you're buying an electric car or recycling or whatever the virtue signaling thing of the day is, that is how they say, okay, Leonardo DiCaprio is a good guy because he's, he's telling everybody else to do the right thing. And I think that that was an interesting thing with this bill was how some of the corporations, some of Hollywood responded. And, and I'd say the most uh, important one, especially being in Florida, was Disney. Uh, do you have any any background on that? Or do you know what I'm talking about when I say Disney's response? So I know the kind of the basic steps of what occurred. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Disney did nothing, did not condemn, did not say it was a good bill. Uh, and then there was a walkout at Disney World, uh, of employees, uh, and I, I'm sure it was a minority of employees, and although it was a minority, they were probably the loudest and most angry, so Disney then condemned the bill. Is that at least the beginning steps of it? Kind of no. No? I hate to just tell you hey, that's wrong fine. right away, but so what, what, I mean, you're, you're pretty darn close, but, but what happened was the previous, uh, I forget if it's the president, the, whoever the, the top guy is at, at Disney that kind of uh, calls the shots, the previous guy had said, hey, we, we would like to stay more apolitical in terms of messaging out. This person that comes in had had kind of gone away from that. So when this passed the House, again, this was I was hearing about this in the early stages before DeSantis actually signed it. Disney came out and condemned it and said, uh, this is, you know, anti-LGBTQ. We stand with our, you know, LGBTQ uh, employees and everyone that is affected by this. And, you know, teachers shouldn't feel attacked. And that, that was the messaging that they said. But they had previously, Disney as a corporation, had given some money to some legislators who had supported this bill. So there was that walkout anyways. And, and they said, yeah, you guys, you know, said you didn't like this, but you're not doing enough for us. And I believe it was 37 employees. And I think there's 80,000, uh, and I could be wrong on that number, but I think it was 37. And I know I just read there's 80,000 employees just at Disney World in Florida. Um, so then, of course, Disney uh, comes back and tries to make sure that they are catering to those people and engaging in what some economists have called 
stakeholder capitalism. So where previously uh, there was shareholder capitalism, right? The people that own our company are the people that we're responsible to. This now says stakeholder capitalism, where our employees, the people that make up our company, we need to ensure we're doing what they want with our organization. So I found it really interesting because there was a a poll that came out where 60% of likely voters supported this bill. 60% of likely, uh, I think it was nationally, 60% of likely voters supported the Florida bill. And of those likely voters' parents were slightly above, it was something in the 60s, uh, supportive of, of the bill as well. And that is that is 100% Disney's key demographic when it comes to customers is parents of, you know, of children, children aged, say, right, you know, three to, th- to 13, something like that. So I just found that fascinating that they said, hey, this minority of employees that are, like you said, very loud, we need to ensure that we're making them happy, even if it's at the expense of our customer base. Which seems kind of off to me. Um, in general, a corporation's job is to make money for the shareholders. And one of the best ways to do that is, you know, keep your customers happy, grow your customer base, and continue to sell to them. And I've got a feeling that in the near term, uh, they may not be seeing as much support from their customer base just due to you know trying to support their minority group of of people who work at disney yeah i i hear you there and i think it's it's really interesting that things kind of exploded the way they did after that because there was an insider right so that was that was the response right away is like when it became apparent that most people support this bill it was like why is why is Disney being so violently against it? It's like, it's one thing to come out and make a statement. It's another thing to do what they did, which is say they are going to do everything they can to get this repealed in Florida, right? The, the bill has already been made law. It's one thing to stop a bill before it gets through, but now that it's through, they're going to actively work against, you know, the legislation and try to get it removed. Hmm. And that Seems, was when... Uh... Go ahead. Sorry. Seems outside of the Democratic Republic system, you know. <laughs> well, wait a sec. Are you so the people that were voted in decided to pass a bill, and now they interest? Okay, sorry. I'm just thinking it through. <laughs> How naive are you, Tommy? Come on now. Oh, <laughs> uh, with a company like Disney, so their their budget for content this year just on production is 37 billion dollars so when you when you think about that and of course they've got all of their employees that they're paying and they've got parks and 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 they've got you know uh toys and they've got yeah all the merchandising disney is is a behemoth of a company like there's i mean what espn is part of disney abc is part of disney uh marvel yeah marvel brings in billions of dollars one of the interesting things that, that came out of that then was there was a, a an internal meeting at Disney where it was kind of all hands on deck. Most of the people were involved, and someone decided they were going to record it and hand it to Christopher Rufo, who is a 
reporter that kind of uh, works on right-wing agenda points to try to get public awareness up. And what this tape revealed is multiple people on the inside and the higher-ups at Disney executives who are involved in production for children's content ages four through six, four through seven, whatever it is, saying, first of all, the, um, let me see if I have her name in front of me. I don't, it was Raveno, Raveno, something like that. Anyways, she said that she has a not so secret gay agenda of trying to put in as much queerness as she can in these, the, the children's, uh, programming that she executively produces. And, you know, she is trying to put in gay couples here and transgender people here. That was her goal in, in helping out, you know, with the, the production there. And she said she hadn't received any pushback internally from that goal of hers. And then the, the president of operations, or I need to get all these titles right. I apologize, <laughs> everyone, for, for butchering that. But uh, one lady came on who is a, a, at the C-suite level, very, very high up in the company, and said that, you know, uh, we need to get the LGBTQ and minority representation up to 50% of all the content. So all characters need to be either LGBTQ or a minority. Uh, and, and that's the goal they're going to aim for. And, and in doing that, she said that she has a non-binary child and a transgender child. Like she, you know, she was talking about her experience. She said, I'm a parent of two LGBTQ children, one non-binary and one transgender. So all of this was a lot of fodder for the right to kind of go after Disney. Uh, and I, I wanted to know kind of what your thoughts were on that. If, if you think that Disney's programming, it's like, do you think that Disney is going to fall apart here because of this? Or do you think that it's too big to fail? Or what do you think the outcomes will be from, from all of this brouhaha? Well, I think Disney is a longstanding company, somewhat too big to fail. And because they own so many different different uh, brands or properties or, I guess, uh, groups of stories, right, like Star Wars and Marvel, I, I don't think they're going to fail from this. Um, mainly because I, I don't really think that the right will fight back. Um, maybe that's a, a pessimistic view, but, you know, what's, what are adults doing now for children, right? They're giving them an iPad and saying, you know, go, go, go away. I have stuff to do. I, I just think it's, it's easier for parents to do nothing than to actually stand up and, and fight for it. Um, I don't think that's all. But I think it's probably a majority. Um, I think the good thing is, you know, parents are now able to hear what's going on. And in a sense, I, I don't necessarily think that adding LGBTQ characters is necessarily a bad thing. Uh, in the sense that, you know, there are real people that do have those identities or I guess orientations however you want to call it and I think it's okay for there to be characters that 
also have those identities or orientations. Um, but I think the problem is when when it's trying to be pushed again, kind of how this all started, right? The parental rights bill. Children K through three do not need to. I don't think they really need to be seeing anything about sex, whether it's homosexual or heterosexual. I, I don't think there needs to be such a push to let kids that small even understand that, right? Like, I, I don't I don't remember that being a big topic of discussion as a child, and I, I don't think it needs to be. I think that's something that should be learned later on. And when programming is happening, I mean, the only way you can show LGBTQ characters is by showing their orientations, right? Like, no. Yeah. Well, you said a lot there. Okay, I had, so I had a go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, for instance, right? Like, how do you show a lesbian character? You have a character that has two moms. Okay, all right. That's that's actually not unreasonable. I guess you're you've got a point. Right. Okay. Anyways, so back to you. You had you had some thoughts on what I was saying. Well, and I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly all of, of what you went through there. It was really interesting. The one comment that I want to make is that studies have shown generationally the number of people identifying as LGBTQ prior to Gen X, which is the I'm a millennial, I think you're a Gen Z or technically, uh, and the, the generation before me would have been a, a Gen X and before that would have been the baby boomer, boomers, right? So baby boomer and before LGBTQ representation, which by the way, at the time would have only had one letter. It would have been, are you gay? Right. And, and lesbians may have had their own designations, but not really. And transgenderism really didn't get invented until the sixties. There were cross dressers, but pretty much everyone understood that they were their sex, even if they liked dressing up as the other sex. Uh, gender dysphoria did exist, but it wasn't medicalized in the same way um, that it is now. All that is to say, baby boomer and before, all generations that we have data on are pretty constant at between one and a half and two percent of the population identifying as LGBTQ. Uh, then we get to the Gen Xers, the, the people right before me, that doubles to about five percent of the population. Uh, mm, am I wrong on this? So no, Gen X is still uh, at the 2%. And then my generation millennials, we double to 10%. Um, excuse me, we double to 5%. And then your generation, the, the Gen Zers double, double to 10%. And the, and the kids, uh, growing up, you know, kind of just right after you. So when did, I think Gen Z ends in like 2003 or something like that, uh, really? of the, Maybe. I could be wrong okay. again on that, but I, I think so. It's only like, um, I don't know, what, 15-year gaps or something. Oh, no, that wouldn't make sense then. Either way, the most recent generation that we have data on, it has doubled three straight generations from two and a half to five to 10. And now the most recent generation that we have data on, 20% of the generation identifies as LGBTQ or in some way not straight. 
I'm not going to speculate on how this has happened, but what my point is, is there is a development happening in society which doesn't align with the narrative that we were all told that uh, sexual orientation is biologically decided. How do I say this? Well, I feel like I, I know where you're going with it, right? The idea that your orientation is from your DNA, right? It's it's a nature, not nurture. Uh, wouldn't make sense because if it is a nature thing, right? It would it would quickly go out of the out of the human race, right? Because if you can't procreate, then it, those genes it, would it not continue. Go no right so that that isn't what i'm saying because like i said it has been consistently there Double. throughout all generations so it, it's no prior to just this little since 1960 section of the of the you know timeline there have been gay people all throughout history right and it's been about two percent of the population and now all of a sudden it's 20 percent of the population over the course of three generations it changes so what I'm saying is that has to be societally driven. And if that's societally driven, you have to ask the question, is it good for society that it's driving in this direction? What's the end? And should we do anything about it? And I think on the conservative side of the world right now, the answer is, no, of course it's not good. Look at birth rates. We are below replacement. Europe is well below replacement. Most of the Western world is getting older and falling apart. And what happens when the median age moves so far that it's near retirement? Will we have a workforce to support that population? What happens when the population starts to rapidly decrease? A heck of a lot of pain is what happens next. So you know, there, there seems to be this breakdown of the nuclear family happening. There seems to be all these things that are going hand in hand. So then when a bill comes up like this, that says no sexual talk for the kids that are younger than nine, and there's this level of pushback, you have to ask the question, why was this needed? What's this pushback all about? Is there an agenda out there? And I don't have any of the answers to those, but I think all of that is, is very relevant. And, you know, if you don't believe me, look up the numbers that I just cited, because I, I promise you, I don't have all the sources in the show notes or anything like that, because I consume a lot of content, but it's all, it's all there. And what do you think about all that, Tommy? Well, I think at some level there would be an increase due to uh, acceptance within culture. So do I think that... But call that let's, let's call that 5%, because right, maybe, right. sure, you know, historically Pro people probably that, to fill out the survey. Right. Probably that original double is probably what's standard. Um, but again, since I believe the 60s, this, this sort of ideology... Um, call it woke, call it, you know, socialism or whatever, whatever you want. I would to call it progressivism, probably progressivism. Um, that started to get ingrained into colleges, 
right? And as these things were being taught, now it goes from colleges to the real world. And then it goes from, you know, the real world to parents teaching children uh, and continues to increase. Um, so I think in some ways, probably the initial thought process was we should be accepting and understand that, you know, there are differences between people. Um, but I think at some point, and I think people want to just blame it on an individual or a single group. And I think that gets a little too conspiratorial. I think it's, I think it's probably just a shift in many people's thinking and trying to trying to initially again be more accepting and turning that into if you're not accepting you know we we must destroy cancel etc um when we're talking about 20 percent of the population one in every five being lgbtq what does that really mean right because a lot of people are now claiming themselves to be non-binary what exactly what does that mean is that does that mean you you know change sex within a day does that mean sometimes you feel more masculine or feminine i think people are just putting names to things when it's probably just humans being humans and yeah. i think there's right now it's at a level where you get accolades or you get special attention for being LGBTQ. But once everybody is, nobody is special. You know what I mean? Like once everybody now has this little moniker, it's like, oh yeah, well, of course. What's the quote from the Incredibles? The yeah, once, guy, once uh, every, yeah. Syndrome. Once if everybody's everyone's special, super. Nobody, is. nobody is. Yeah, I hear you there. I, I think it's interesting what you're saying that yeah, there would be some level of acceptance, but at a certain point, you wonder if it's more, you know, I don't want to say a, a social contagion, but people have said that about the, the transgenderism experience that's happening right now. No moment. I mean, I, I don't even know the right word. There is an incredible amount of, especially teenage girls that are identifying as transgender and you can watch it happen in a, in a social group. So if one girl decides to do that, it is unbelievably, unbelievably more likely that, you know, a couple of her friends will also identify as, as transgender. And you, you mentioned the, the non-binary, what does that mean? Does that mean you're, you're one thing one day and you know, something else the next, first of all, no, you bigot. That's uh, gender fluid. Gosh, darn it. Uh, also, I just, what about that? I mean, I can believe, I, I find it a lot easier to believe that some people are just not interested at all in sex. You know, they have no sex drive at all and, and they just don't engage with, with that. Even when they see people that everyone else thinks of as attractive, they don't really see them that way. That's, that's sure. That's, I mean, like, I am not sitting here and saying that uh, sex isn't on a spectrum in terms of what people prefer you know, uh, sexual oh, yeah. preference. No, I would agree with that. But when it comes to the, the gender specifically, it's really interesting that I have to throw in this joke. So a little bit of background, the daily wire is a conservative, uh, 
platform usually for like news and commentary but they've been getting more into media now so movies and tv shows as well and they announced right after kind of this exploded about the not so secret gay agenda quote from the disney exec they came out and said hey over the next three years we're going to be investing a hundred million dollars in children's content and their kind of tagline was you can you don't trust Disney with your kids anymore, but you can trust us. You can trust Daily Wire's content. And SNL picked this up and did a pretty funny joke, I thought, on it, which was, you know, they explained the background that I just did. And then they said, and so we got, you know, sneak peek into the Daily Wire's first three uh, pieces of content that are going to be coming out. First one is Clifford the Big Straight Dog, and then <laughs> Encanto, but in English. Uh, and then the other one was... Uh, one fish, two fish, that's it. That's how many genders fish have. And that one, I, I, that one got the biggest laugh. And I think it's because deep down, even the people that more identify with the left-wing viewpoint of, you know, uh, everyone has their own experience and blah, blah, blah. Deep down, everyone knows when you're looking at a human, you're either looking at a man or a woman. There isn't some other tertiary option or a mix of you know or or twelve thousand different options or even 10 different options it's it's really there's only two so that's why you know when when you're satirizing this experience in this moment that we're all having to live through at the end you're coming back to a very basic truth that deep down everybody knows i think so did did you hear any of that happening with daily wire and what what were your thoughts there well Real quick, I want to just go back uh-huh. to to uh, what you were saying a little bit before then, before I give my thoughts on the Daily Wire. Um, okay. But I was thinking, you know, yes, there are there are men and women, and doesn't like part of the LGBTQ group start to like eat the other ones? Like, what does it mean to be gay if if gender is a spectrum? Does it, does it mean, yes. like, it, it, it's a really weird thing, right? Like, what does it mean to be lesbian? Like, do you only like women who are women or who identify as women? And then same with, same with gay, right? Like, the, yeah. the, the trans, or I guess, you know, gender fluid or, it, it's all very confusing. And I, I think that's part of the part of the messaging it being confusing but it seems like the the group is is hypocritical or doesn't make sense right like if if gender doesn't mean anything then what does it mean to be lesbian or gay you just love who you love right like dave Chappelle has a absolutely wonderful (laughs) bit about exactly what you're talking about about how how did this group get put together right because at first it was you know just the lesbians and and the gays and and you know the, I'm not going to try to to remake the bit at all. Go watch it; it's hilarious. But <laughs> the the key point is, yeah, if you accept the the idea that men and women aren't different, that is that is the key uh, philosophy that undergirds transgenderism is that a man by reviewing in his mind what he believes can. Uh, manifest in the world that he is actually a woman. And if that's true, then homosexuality, the, the saying that a man is only attracted to men, can't be true because men and women are the same 
So if men and women are the same, these other sexualities, I mean, then everyone's bisexual is what it comes down to. But then also if, if that is the, you know, if that's true, then the Q part of it of, of, you know, some level of queer or you're saying gender fluid or these things, it doesn't make sense either. So yes, I think in a way it does cannibalize itself. And, and the gay people that I know, um, don't agree with the philosophy of, you know, don't tell parents when their kids are, you know, questioning their gender in school and just go ahead and give them hormone blockers or go ahead and start identifying them by a new name. You know, that, that isn't something that they agree with at all. Yeah. Well, even, even trans starts to not make sense. If there's no difference between men and women, then why does it matter if you have a penis if you identify as a woman, right? Like it, well, that's, it, that's how Leah Thomas just was able to go win the 500 free in the women's division for the NCAA tournament. Right. That's a, that's a guy that has a twig and berries and, but won the first place for the women's that's the, that's well, the that's, reality that we're experiencing right now. Well, that's where turf comes up, right? Like the trans exclusionary radical feminists where they don't believe in trans because now men are taking over women's areas. And I think it's, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a feminist, but, you know, I believe in equality and men and women are, are not necessarily on equal footing and it makes more sense for them to be, you know, that's why there is a men's league and a women's league. But right. we might be getting too deep into into another conversation. But eh, I uh, mean, it, it's all relevant. I mean, it's right? it, it's it's all so connected too, because it's it's all coming from these ideas, and these ideas are turning into into I don't I don't know. Exactly. But all I know is <laughs> no, it's, you're connected. Okay. it's connected. That, well, here's one thing that you are saying that is absolutely true is it is changing all the time. The ideas are developing, they're growing, they are manifesting themselves differently in the world as time goes on. When, when Barack Obama was inaugurated in 2008, what's that, 14 years ago now, he did so on the platform of believing in the sanctity of traditional marriage it was before he said actually i support gay marriage and definitely no one was talking about giving hormone blockers to children at that time so there has been a, a very quick march um in the past 14 years and you know you said where do these ideas come from or, or something like that and I find it quite interesting because the, like I said before, I mean, like you go back to ancient Rome, a lot of homosexuality there. That's not a new idea. That, that isn't an idea. That is just a, a mode of, of living that some people experience. They have those tendencies within themselves and most people do not. But the end of that alphabet soup is new and where those come from looking at the roots is really important. The, um, if you've ever done the, the history on the transgender stuff, where that comes from is, I mean, transgender 
people in the United States have a 42% attempted suicide rate. That's significantly worse than prisoners in concentration camps. That's significantly worse than any group of people, uh, slaves in slave times, anything like that. There, there is no group of humans that compares to that, except for, I believe, paranoid schizophrenics. And the idea that we're, and, and in fact, the, the person that put forward gender theory as a, a mainstream idea in the 60s took twin boys, made one of them dress and act like a girl, put them in weird sexual situations when they were prepubescent, uh, and both of those two children ended up killing themselves later in life. So oh look into the history there. Like the, the origins of this stuff isn't good. And, and we're seeing the repercussions now as more stuff that's not good. And so the idea that a bill that <laughs> restricts talking about, yeah, you know, maybe if you're saying uh, sexual orientation isn't a big deal as long as it's not graphic you know, someone should be able to say the word gay. If you read the content of the bill, it actually doesn't specify that you can't say the word gay. If, uh, yeah. a, if a teacher, you know, if, if a, a kid says, are, you know, my, my parents are, are gay, I have two dads, nothing in the bill that, that is against that. If, if a teacher said, my parents are gay, I have two dads, nothing in the bill. If then a student says, what does gay mean? All that the bill says is the, the teacher has to go, Ask your parents. Like, think about yeah. that. It, it's so easy. That that the answer to the, all the hard questions that the teachers are worried about is ask your parents. They'll they'll tell you when when it makes sense. You know, it's like there's a lot of topics that when you're talking to a I have a I have a niece right now that's in first grade and like she's a very smart kid, but at the end of the day, there's certain topics that she's not prepared for. And you know, when when my father passed away, she was not really old enough to understand that. But later on, you know, her and her dad had the opportunity to have good conversations about what death means and, and, and this stuff. So it's like, you have to have these conversations with kids when they're emotionally mature enough for it. And anyone claiming that when it comes to sexual orientation, which no kid has a sexual orientation because they don't have the hormones coursing through their body to inform that. And gender identity, which is kind of a social construct that's new in the past 60 years. Yeah, no, I, again, I, I agree with Tulsi Gabbard. It doesn't go far enough. Yeah, it's, uh, no, I mean, when you put it that way, it seems so simple, right? Like, a question came up, ask your parents, right? Like, that, that seems so basic, right? And I don't know. It, and again, just... we're, we're, de we're dealing with like, yeah, it's, it's so terrible. Cause we're just dealing with something that shouldn't be taught by the government ever. Like the fact yeah. that we have to have sex ed in schools is kind of a shame. Wouldn't it be better if we could focus on, you know, maybe getting into stuff like investments and, uh, how to pay your taxes that the government school doesn't teach kids right now. But no, we got to make sure we're spending, you know, seven semesters on health going through, you know, graphic descriptions of, you know, different types of sex. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a, 
a weird it's it's weird that we're even having this conversation it's weird that this yeah. is maybe weird's not the right word but it's it's so interesting that there's such a big pushback on limiting government control i maybe i'm odd but i feel like less government the better right like if i was a parent i wouldn't want the government raising my kids i would want to be raising my kids and yes they go to school to learn but i would hope they would ask me you know about some of the more difficult things that don't need to be discussed at school and uh i don't know i i think it's very ingrained in society right now and what is i'm not sh- i'm not sure what the outlook is um i'd like to remain optimistic but as things continue to kind of fall apart it's difficult to no but what's what's very ingrained in society right now what's very ingrained i i think this woke ideology um see that's i mean i i I know that's very ingrained but no i understand what you mean there but i i think it's ingrained in the corporate media i think it's ingrained in hollywood i think it's ingrained in the government i do not think it's ingrained in society if you go out and talk to real people if you walk around a city or a neighborhood or anything like that i think that it is going to be more often than not you will not be encountering that but i think the you're right you know when you mentioned college they have done a really good job taking over institutions and making sure that the people that enter, you know, the workforce and have the chance to influence corporations are very loud with their opinions. And, you know, most people are, you know, they'll go along to get along or they don't really have an opinion, but they kind of sit somewhere in the middle and, you know, they're not the ones loudly saying, no, stay out of politics. It's the, you know, the smaller minority that's very loud that's saying, hey, get into politics. We need you to have an opinion on this. Yeah. No, well, but what it, you... it brings up, uh, sorry, I want to just bring this You're up fine. while it's on my mind, but going back to real quick, the, the Daily Wire and their investment in children's media, children's content, I think it makes sense, right? And I think there need to be alternatives um, I think there need to be alternatives in school, like more choices for school. And I know that's not in the realm right now of possibility for everybody. Um, but also, you know, those of us that maybe are too afraid to stand up and speak out about this stuff, you have an option of where you put your money, right? You are able to vote with your dollars. Don't support companies that do things that or are perpetrating ideas that you don't like. I think that's what it comes down to, right? Like if if most of the media is aimed at or most of the content is aimed at grooming your children to think a certain way and you're not down with that, don't let them watch that media or don't be paying for that. Um, And I think when it comes to schools as well i mean not everybody lives in florida and this is just a florida bill right now but 
you know, try if there's alternatives and if it's something you can do. I don't know. Maybe there just need to be more school alternatives as well. That's kind of what I'm getting at. But yeah, I've I've thought about, and I think you and I probably prior to us starting podcasting, we've had some interesting longer discussions about education and and how it needs to transform or be changed so that it can serve who it's supposed to serve again. But I, I agree with you on on the front of you know um, we are still a capitalistic society, so use the power of your dollar. We all have dollars. Put them in the right place. If if you don't agree with what Disney said here, don't give them your money. If you don't agree with whatever it is that a company does, you know maybe write something. Put put in the information so that they know why you're leaving, uh, and then and then leave. And if you find a company that you agree with that is doing something that you like, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not the best option in the market for you, but you want them to have the chance to grow to maybe be the best option in the market, use the power of your dollar. And what was the other point? What was the other thing you said? What did you finish up with there? Uh, well, just school choice. If there should be more school choice. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I think the, the reality of the situation is at some point, the education system will need to change fundamentally. And I think the return to a sense of localism is more of the answer. Um, everything has been federalized, you know, uh, there's common core, right. And, and all this stuff that has, you know, like we just discussed led to 25% of high school graduates being illiterate. So at the end of the day, something needs to change at the, at the bottom level there. And I think, Figuring out a way to, you know, I don't think privatizing all schools is going to solve the problem. I think that education is a very expensive endeavor when you're talking about a kid going from being basically unmolded at, you know, four or five years old to being a a full-fledged adult at 18 or 21, whatever you want to say. That educational process needs to return to some sense of a community and, you know, my argument earlier can be extended to say if there are largely Christian areas that, you know, want to have schooling that includes some Christian moral values or, you know, same thing. I know that Jewish communities have good Jewish schools and I think probably heavily Muslim areas would like to be able to have heavily, you know, schools that teach something about, you know, Islamic morals. Um, I am not opposed to that. I think at the end of the day, we need people to be able to actually inculcate in their children what they believe, not some administrator at a, at a school. And, and really, I think if you've seen it all this year, the, the backlash at school board meetings against, you know, parents finding graphic sex scenes in, you know, books in the library or parents finding out about homework where, you know, you have to find examples of your white privilege or whatever it might be. They're seeing, oh, I thought I was getting my kids one place and they're actually someplace very different. And and yeah, I I agree with you. That needs to change. And I don't quite have the answer on the, the mode, but you know, I agree with the outcome. Going back to your kind of what we were originally talking about, where what is the goal of school, right? And I think you you brought up a good point. I think it needs to be more localized. Uh, 
to me, kind of the way I think about things is individuals need to better themselves in order to better their community in order to, you know, up the ladder, right? All, all people trying to be better can do better for others if they work on themselves. And in that same sense, I think if a community wants to decide what, what is being taught at the schools, I think that should be, that should be done, right? I, I think the government already is too big and what you were talking about with it being all federalized, I, I don't think that every area needs to have the same things being taught, especially when right now it's not working. Yeah, the, well, two things you said there are interesting. And one thing that it relates to, right, if my half-baked proposal were to be somehow instituted, it also pushes people towards forming more tight-knit communities. Because if you live in an area and you see that, oh, the school that's closest to me that I'd like to send my kids to doesn't share the values that I want them to have, but I see this one over here does, you're going to move to the place that shares your values. And that means you're going to be more likely to engage in the community and be a more productive member in that community. Uh, and one thing you said also is, you know, individuals, you know, have the opportunity to try to better themselves and, and then better the community because of that. And what we're really talking about here is the very, very fundamental basis that right now there's a, a big self-love movement in the U.S. too that I think has invaded schools that says you're perfect just the way you are, no matter where I find you in life. So if you are horribly depressed and have social anxiety and all these things, that is incredibly common, by the way, among you know uh, middle schoolers and, and kids and stuff like that, you're perfect just the way you are. You don't need to change anything. So that oh. it doesn't give anyone an incentive to work on getting better and to get out of that place that they find themselves. You know, if they're told by their trusted adult figures that they don't need to change, but they hate the way they feel inside. Yeah. What's the answer? It seems like a very depressing you know? message to give to kids, right? Like, oh, you're perfect the way you are, but I, I hate everything about me. Well, you're you're perfect that way. Right? Like that that seems so like such a bad way to go about the the issue and you know essentially what you're saying similar to obesity um saying you know you're perfect any size it's like i mean right you're perfect at dying at a younger age um just you're gonna be a lot happier if you're under that 400 pound mark than if you're over that 400 oh pound mark God. we're talking That's about 400 science, pounds man. oh my god <laughs> Maybe I was, I was thinking too narrowly. I was thinking like, <laughs> like well, you shouldn't be I mean, obese. <laughs> Anyways, that that is, I mean, not you're, morbidly you're, obese. You're, you know, you're you're demonizing something like you know sixty percent of Americans at that point. If well, you say you should that's, be obese, that's what's that's what's sad. I mean, right. we are no longer the best, right? Like, I forget the show, but I remember watching it in like a. One of my history classes, but uh, the guy from Dumb and Dumber like gives a big speech. Yeah. I forget what show it was, but he was talking. I don't about, remember. I thought I thought it was a movie. Wasn't it a movie? I thought it was like the first episode of a show. 
but I could be wrong. Maybe maybe it was the start of a movie. But he was talking about like America's, you know, thirty second in this, tenth in this, blah 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 blah. Like we're not number one anymore. And I think there just needs to be again going back to the schools. What what is the goal, right? Like do we we're not even thinking with the end in mind, right? It's it's to get a graduation or to graduate high school. What does that mean though? What what skills or what things should you know by the time you graduate? And I think maybe schools need to do some reflecting and uh, and ask themselves, what are we here to do? I think that's a big part of it. Well, the schools are made up of people and the people are usually have agendas. And and the reality is the the people that have taken over the school boards mostly in this country are people on the far left who know exactly what their goal is and they're they're reaching their goal right now. But what um, is their goal then? Is to have the next generation coming up to have leftist principles of equity and diversity and inclusion as the primary good in the world so that they can, you know, continue the, the far left march and we're kind of teetering on the edge with our fiscal responsibility. And, and so it, it would be to push into the, you know, socialist um, region and, and doing that by telling everyone that they're perfect just the way they are and that the government's going to take care of them. Yeah. That's, that's my opinion on it. And I, I of course could be, could be way off, but I, I agree with you when it, I, I think that all of us as citizens, as taxpayers, as people that have a vested interest in the future of our nation and our world need to run for school board, need to go to the town halls and, and say the things that need to be said. And I think we saw a lot of that this year. And I think it, it gives me a lot of hope that America won't go down without a fight. Um, and we, we can't, you know, the, the America that's based on the idea that we are all created equal in the eyes of God and are endowed with certain liberties that are made for us to do everything we can to be the best versions of ourselves and to manifest as much good as we can in society, knowing that the human nature is a broken one and we will all sh fall short. It's important to get back to those roots and have people stand up and say loudly that, you know, when they see something wrong, say it's wrong and then let the chips fall where they may. And, and, you know, there, there are lots of examples. There was a, I was telling you this a little bit before we started recording, there was, I think it was Connecticut. I may, might have the new England state wrong, but there was a school nurse that saw multiple. There was, I think a dozen 12 year olds that she was caring for that had come out as non-binary uh, and were being treated as such in school and multiple students that, were younger than that. I think the one that she was talking about was an 11 year old girl who had decided she was transgender and without her parents ever knowing was being put on um, puberty blockers in, in school. And she said something about it and it got her suspended 
Um, and I'm sure that was a, a hard thing to, to have happen for her life. And there will be repercussions for it, not just right now, but, you know, down the line. And she'll be a pariah probably in the school system and all the other exigent repercussions from that decision. But at the end of the day, if she thought it was wrong, stand up and say you think it's wrong. And, and that's I, – I don't really have a call to action for our listeners well, today. Thank you all for – for tuning in i i would i would just uh kind of add on to that and it's it's something my dad always said as he would you know post on facebook against people that he disagreed with um (laughs) he probably took it from someone else and i may have even mentioned it already but all it takes for evil to succeed is for a good man to do nothing and you know i think i may have sounded a little bit pessimistic earlier but this is a step in the right direction. And although there's pushback against it, I mean, this thing has been signed into law and it takes effect July 1st. This, this I think is a good thing. And as we continue to see people leave the areas where there are bad laws, uh, laws that don't make sense and continue to move to places where they like what's going on. I mean, people are voting with where they're, where they're living right now they're moving to the places where yep quote unquote good things are happening and leaving those places where bad laws are right it's kind of it's kind of capitalism of laws in a sense right you're choosing the best product for you know kind of your life where you want to live those sort of ideas um yeah, yeah that, that's kind of just what I wanted to add on. But but yes, we're we're finishing up. You finish up, Paul. <laughs> well, thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate the support and uh, love any feedback that you want to give us. For next time, if you are tuning in for the book review, we are going to be reviewing Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, which Tommy has already finished. I am like... 40% of the way through, not quite halfway, something like that. But I'm very much looking forward to speaking with him about that. Uh, feel free to subscribe to our Instagram page at brace.22 and leave us a comment and support. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.